Welcome to episode 41 of the Bodybuilding Down Under podcast. My name is Jack and uh, I know you guys all missed me last week, but I think especially Lawrence, I got a message from Lawrence saying uh, he didn't know whether he could go on with uh, the episode last week because I was missing, but I had to give him a bit of a motivational speech to get in there and get after it. He sent me a pic of him watching Titanic after getting a bit eating a tub of Halo top. Yeah, when I said I don't know if I can go on, it was like, I don't know if I can live without you, Jack. So I think you may have misunderstood. But either way, the little pep talk helped. Awesome. I'm glad to hear about that. <laughs> on the on the topic of you as well, Lawrence, I saw, um, I mean, not that this episode should be about you, but we're just starting off with you coincidentally. But I noticed that uh, you posted up that you're five weeks out from starting prep. I am indeed, sir. It's feeling very, very real now. But I mean, it feels real, but it also feels like, you know, it's like one of those things that's never going to quite happen. You know, like you have like a long overseas holiday or something. It's like a year in advance and you're like, Mm. ah, like it doesn't actually feel real until you're, you know, at the airport with your bags. So I think prep is like that a little bit in terms of starting it. And even when you're going through it, like when the the end goal is so far away, but yeah, yeah, it is uh, getting very close now, which I'm looking forward to. Jack mm. knows exactly what you feel like. Like he just keeps pushing that season back. Like it's one of those goals that might never come. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if I get um if this hip injury continues, but fortunately it's it's getting it's getting a little better. But I also wanted to bring up a topic around uh, your because you, you you uploaded a video of posing in the the men's locker room, and that was the women's locker room. But go oh, on, right? Yes, the agenda. The lighting's the better. Room. <laughs> Uh, but I, I wanted to uh, just discuss. We haven't really um, spoken about like posing in the the locker room. Like, what is your your take around that, Lawrence? Ooh, okay. I'm, oh, okay. I'm. I don't think there's an issue at all. I think if you're just being like courteous and you know not like grunting people if they want to walk across and things like that. I, I felt a bit bad actually today because I wasn't sure if the dude was taking like a bit longer to wash his hands to not have to walk across me. But I, I did try be quite quick about it so i think mm. essentially what i posted is is how long it took me and then i i took the tripod down and, and got on with my business but i think it's probably more a debate of whether or not you pose in the locker room or whether or not it's okay to pose out on the gym floor because Southside doesn't have a posing room um mm. it was removed for uh reasons that i have not been confirmed but i've heard rumors about so yes which involved by and i but we won't get into it um <laughs> But yeah, so I suppose that's the question. Is it better to pose in the locking room or is posing out on the gym floor okay? What do you think, DC? I know you're a bit more old-fashioned than us with the posing side of things at the gym. Yeah, yeah. When we were at Riggs Fit and it's like, hey, let's all strip off our kit in the middle of the gym and just, you know, strike some poses for the gram. And the first thing I'm like is like, no, come on, guys. Like, this is a public gym. That's my thought process. (laughs) Anyway, maybe I am a little bit more old-fashioned not as much of a showboat as you boys, <laughs> but um, I personally, I think you'd, you'd be probably better off doing it in the locker room than the actual gym floor itself. I mean, it, I guess it depends on how busy the gym floor is. Right. But mm. you know, I think of it from the perspective of like, you know, are you making people around you uncomfortable by showing your physique? You might be training at a bodybuilding gym, but not everybody's interested in, you know, what you do. And, I know everyone sort of sticks to themselves in that regard, but it's, I feel like it's somewhat of a disregard for the people around you, particularly if, you know, these, you know, these people are not going to be comfortable with perhaps what you're doing. So I guess the safer option would be in, in, in the locker room, um, but obviously would be best in a, in a posing studio, which will have better lighting to start with. But um, maybe I'm just a little bit more old fashioned. I'm like, you know, keep the stripping of the shorts down for like when you get back home in front of your mirror and you can take all the progress photos you want. Right. Hmm. Yeah, I think it for me it depends on the gym. Like I know having spoken to the owners of Riggs, like they're cool with people doing some bodybuilding poses and they've got the posing room itself as well. But like at Welgin Brendale, for example, I'm not gonna kind of strip off at Welgin Brendale and take photos like, oh, I personally either use the posing room or make sure that the group fitness room is empty and and I'll use that just because it's it's very consistent lighting. Mm. But what do you think, DUI? I'm the exact same. I normally use the posing room or if that's taken, I'll use like the group fitness room. Worst comes to worst, the reformer Pilates class with the mums and the grandmas. Give them a show. 
Nah, but numbers I've never have been ever... skyrocketing since DC <laughs> yeah. started posing there. They're at all time capacity. Not enough reformer Pilates beds. Exactly. Well, I'm getting a kickback from the class. So what can we say? <laughs> Only Plot twist. I'm the I'm the instructor. Um, but no, uh, I I've never personally done it on the gym floor, so I can't really comment. But like even like that boxing room, like down the side, Lawrence, a powerhouse. Like you could use that as a posing room. But that being said, I've also never done it in the locker room. I've uh, quickly taken off the shirt for a pick or two, like I'm sure all of us have. Uh, but other than that, no. Nah. Mm, I think you can get away with it a little bit more like at some of those specialties, sort of novelty novelty gyms uh, or boutique style gyms, which is like, for example, B and I often train down at like Iron Asylum down on the GC. And um, that's very much like a bodybuilding style style gym, right? It's run by bodybuilders. Like, I guess it's kind of similar to rigs in that way. So, uh, you know, if you stripped your shorts off and hit a pose in front of the mirror, I don't think that would be an issue because I think pretty sure the owner, you know, gets clients to come in and, and does that exact thing. So mm. I, I think in that token, it's probably cool. But, you know, if it's a, a large commercial gym, which in most cases, you know, you'd think a gym like Worlds is predominantly bodybuilders. Well, it's, it's not. It's, you know, everybody from, mm. you know, your, your average gym goer to a Pilates, you know, uh, enthusiast to a cycle enthusiast, whatever it may be, right? So, and there you are in your corner with your fucking dick togs, you know, striking your your rear glute spread, or whatever. Like, like I, I disagree, DC. I think there's a, a lot of cycle enthusiasts at um, most world gyms. <laughs> Cycling is actually fairly prominent. I think you'd find fair call. Yeah, a different type of cycling, I guess. But <laughs> <laughs> I only just got that at the end. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you go to Island Asylum when you're training there, DC, and then Big Sam comes out and his arms are twice as big? Mate. Yours and Beast. Yeah, yeah, straight up, like calves the size of my head. Like, yeah. Oh. I was there today and he's just, he's, he's so big, it's crazy. Yeah, 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 100%. Mm. Yeah, I was wondering where you were today, Big DY. You miss me. I miss so all the boys. I was testing you to see if you noticed that I wasn't yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, um, you know, I dislocated my shoulder because I refused to ask anyone else for a spot. Um, I was just hoping you'd come out of nowhere, but how is Island Asylum? Because it looks like a very, very cool gym. I, I love it. It's it's like a it's not as big as like obviously like Powerhouse and stuff like that, but they just source all the equipment. They don't have any like ties with brands like Hammer Strength, so they just get all like good pieces. Like if they like it, they'll grab it in. Like they got a really good pendulum, they got a good hack. Uh, so and they, they play absolutely banger music too. Like every time I go in there, it's like some biggie small some two pack or whatever and it's just blasting sometimes they have like some heavy metal in there as well so it's just the atmosphere and you just have like some jacked as hell dudes in there and then you've even got some guys posing and stuff in there as well so it's really good atmosphere it's good gym good equipment what suburb is it mm, it's like halfway the gold coast a little bit after dream world i can't remember isn't it helen's vale or something yeah i think it's helen's vale yeah mm. just a bit after dream world perhaps the uh the next bdu session should uh venture down there that'd be good for sure it's a wicked little gym you can definitely do it as long as it's not hack squats <laughs> it'll be only hack squats there's a pen- if there's a pendulum of me there Lawrence i'm not gonna be there nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> but i think you guys did an, a quick update last week on each of you so we can head into some questions well how are you going jack we obviously <laughs> missed you last week man how's things what did you do for Valentine's Day is what I want to know. Uh, I think you guys were pretty much correct in terms of what I did. I think something I about flowers, <laughs> flowers, flowers and cream of wheat. Yeah, it was cream of cream rice of and a fish. And um, I mean, I took her for a ride in my, my car as well. So Whoa! Whoa. Some cha- chaperone <laughs> service. Sorry, what, so, what, uh, what brand is it again? I, I forgot. Uh, it's, a, it's an electric vehicle. Ah. Yeah. The old EV. Yeah, right. <laughs> very nice but yeah just um we we as you guys can probably predict we're not really that uh sort of couple to enthusiastically celebrate valentine's day not that i have anything against it of course um but i think just yeah we're in each other's vicinity pretty much 24 7 so every day is valentine's day for us essentially that's how we like to look at it Clip that. That is just beautiful. That that'll be the this week's post. <laughs> yeah, nothing nothing else much going on with me. I've I've had a little bit of a hip niggle, which is getting better. I just need to be careful not to uh, train overly enthusiastically because it will 
uh, set it off a little bit. And other than that, upper body is going well. Um, still heavier than DC, I think, as well, just about currently about 101 kilos at the moment. <laughs> That's pounds, right? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but no, I am appreciating peak body weight, which is like, um, I, I did lose a bit. Um, I actually lost my appetite completely for one day last week. And um, I just ate protein at each meal because I probably the first time this off season um, where I just couldn't eat all my meals and I lost like a kilo and a half overnight. And I've been regaining that slowly uh, since since last week. So I'm back up to around 94 at the moment. That's because Jack eats about five kilos of veg vegetable matter every night. Peak peak Maybe off season, still fucking volumizing his meal. You add zucchini to your oats as well, or what? Oh yeah, yeah. No, I switch <laughs> between carrot and zucchini each every second day. Ah, yeah. uh, the old carrot cake oats. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Fucking just doesn't want it bad enough. How That's did it. how did you find the appetite after having the one day of really low food? Did it help? Uh, unfortunately not. I think I would need a couple of days back to back of, of lower food. So, yeah. Cause I was actually talking to someone at the powerhouse gym. You would know him, Lawrence Caleb. And he was saying that obviously his appetite was like, he was at that point where it was very hard to get food down. He pretty much just run like a two day fast just to, you know, mm -hmm. try and pretty much only protein to try and, you know, increase the hunger levels a little bit, because as we all can imagine, you get to a point where the food focus is an absolute minimum. And in the end, you're probably not going to lose any mass over those two days. Yeah, I think the, it might work in the short term, but like, I don't know if it would work long term because you'll kind of get back straight up to the same body fat and same food. So, but that does lead us nicely into uh, one of our first questions, which is what's the maximum number of calories you would blend into a shake? If you, I know a bit of an arbitrary question, but I'll hand this over to you, Lawrence. Oh, mate. I, I honestly haven't, like, how long is a pizza string? I don't know. Like, I have never really needed to have shakes consistently. So, well, the listeners I, obviously want to hear your take. So, you got to, of course, they're all fighting for it. Yeah. Look, I think if you could, uh, what, I mean, what, 700, 800, if you could get that into a shake, I think you're doing pretty well. But I suppose it's, you know, as many as you need to. What's your go to carb source in a shake? Your imaginary shake, that is. Ooh, I reckon like cocoa pops would go well. Like that would disappear mm. fairly easily. I think like it would just go into nothingness. I remember Joey Cantlin went through a phase where he was adding cake, like actual <laughs> cake, to his shakes at the end of the day when he straight wasn't, up Col Cole's mud cake, just literally like <laughs> slices of cake, and would just like throw it into the blender. So yeah, shout out Joey for doing that because that's that's pretty gangster, but. Mm. Yeah, I think if I was really struggling, I probably would just resort to like carbohydrate powder and just throw a few scoops of that in there. Mm. Yeah, you guys, you other two have anything else to add on that one? Oh, probably peak is about 800 for me. Like if I was to have a really, really juicy shake, probably like 800 calories would probably be where mm. I'd be at. I don't know if you could really get much more than that unless you're adding like straight sugar. Unless you're me, which is already pretty in, much. Which, which is already in my 800 calorie sh <laughs> shake anyway. Yeah, mine's mine's uh quite high, about uh fourteen hundred for my shakes. What's in that? Like, that's got to be a cement. That's not a shake. That's cement. Once you're drinking that, yeah, it's pretty cement like. <laughs> How much fluid is that though? It's a lot of fluid. You have to add like a full on, probably close to a liter of water to make it uh, like a bit yeah. less like cement. But then it's like at that point, water. What like would you rather just eat it then? Because that fluid like sitting in you. Like, I don't yeah, know, there. Like, it's just, I mean, I'm not saying not be everyone easy to eat to... like mince and rice and just like put six liters of sauce on it. You know what I mean? No, because it's the act of eating it that's, that's very, very time consuming. Like, it's not necessarily the act of like the, the taste or the appetite. It's more so, I don't want to dedicate like 45 minutes to an hour to trying to get that down. Like, what about instead of how slow are you eating, man? An hour to Very slow. <laughs> This is what I would do. Instead of taking an hour to eat it, eat it in like 20 minutes. Then you save time. Oh, I That's what I would do. Yeah. <laughs> mate, you should be my coach. <laughs> Just ditch AJ, mate. He doesn't know what he's talking about. I'll take it over. Mm. I'll be like, eat $200 a week for me to say, eat more. Here's AJ got you doing like 30 chews to each swallow. <laughs> <laughs> no, AJ, to be fair, AJ um, has tried to keep the, uh, the, the, the solid meals in for as long as possible. But... 
I'm going to be, it's going to be fairly soon until I mini cut anyway. So anyway, I'm a little bit self-conscious about talking about my liquid meal. So we'll move on to the uh, next question. Like I reckon if you added some ice cream to that and some peanut butter, surely you could bump those cows up pretty high. Peter's right? light and creamy and then that skim milk. So what, 2000 in a shake? Not even, not even light and creamy. You just go for like the full straight fat. Heavy and creamy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the goal isn't it uh so this next question says when would you pull the plug on prep both for yourself and and for clients dc i'll let you start off with this yeah sure and I, i'm not sure if this is respective to let's say i mean there's a few situations where you might you might uh, decide to prolong a prep or perhaps uh cancel a prep and i mean the first reason could be potentially being behind in terms of one's conditioning so and there could be various various reasons for that. Perhaps uh, the individual started too high in terms of their, their body, body fat relative to, you know, how many weeks you've got out. Um, you know, as a coach, you're always trying to assess sort of someone's perfect, you know, starting position. But it is common for coaches to have, you know, a client approach them with the goal of reaching, let's say, the up and coming season. They've got, you know, 20, 21, 22 weeks as a coach, you might project towards that timeline and think, okay, this is doable, but we need to have everything, you know, looking hundred percent in terms of adherence, et cetera. And if someone obviously falls a little bit short of that, you know, you could then decide to, you know, prolong someone's season, uh, for like B and I, we tend to have like conditioning checkpoints for, for individuals. So, you know, condi conditioning checkpoint would be like 20 weeks out, 15 weeks out, 10 weeks and, and five weeks. And we have a bit of an idea as to what, what each of our athletes need to look like by those conditioning checkpoints. I think, you know, at 20 weeks out, if you were striving towards your 15 week out checkpoint and you just narrowly missed it with regards to conditioning, you've got a little bit more you know, room to make that up with respect to the remaining weeks. You might have to go a little bit harder between 15 weeks and 10 weeks. Um, but you can imagine if you're, you know, behind time and you're five weeks out, that's, that's, you know, that's a red flag, right? So I feel like you get sort of the 10 week out mark. And if you're pretty behind at that point, it's, I mean, that would probably be where I would like for you make, make the call for someone. Um, but that's respective to the conditioning side of things. It might be also red flags in terms of someone's behaviors around food uh, where you, you might decide that, you know, it's not viable for someone to continue to prep or, you know, being injured or, or something like that. Right. Or, you know, massive binge eating episodes. Surely that is a red flag that a coach would have to consider in terms of getting someone to, to the stage uh me medical problems you know for, for athletes can can present as well so as a coach you would need to assess whether COVID it's potentially viable. as well yeah whether it's viable to continue on right so i think there's a few reasons why a coach would decide to to stop someone's prep and it's really sort of dependent on the on the individual yeah i think one of the biggest ones is probably like injuries so like people like get injured maybe they tear something maybe they strain like something along the lines of that, but I have got a couple others, like what DC mentioned, like bad eating behavior, weight tracking, maybe it's a little bit behind um, money as well. That's one big thing. It's very expensive to prep, especially if you do like other feds, like IFBB, WBFF, like WBFF bikinis for girls are about three, four K a pop. And then not only that, you might also have family issues. Maybe someone's passed and, you know, it's a very hard time and, you know, maybe it might be 25 weeks out you know maybe calling it before it gets too deep too dark and then maybe running the season after once you've dealt with it could be a good little option as well mm. Mm. i would say that an important thing to consider especially if you are prepping yourself or perhaps your coach has mentioned to you that they think you should maybe call it quits and you don't want to is the idea of what we call like the sunk cost fallacy because the sunk cost is basically this idea that someone becomes very reluctant to abandon a certain endeavor once they have heavily invested in it. So the investment could be time, it could be money, it could be effort. And for bodybuilding contest prep, it's all three of those. So when we've heavily invested in something, our perception of where we're at and our perception of whether or not we are actually capable to keep going is going to be distorted because you've already thought, you know, how long I've been doing this, I've put in so much work, I've put in so much effort. Um, someone I spoke to recently sort of describes it as like when people get to that turning point when they're climbing Everest, there's all these signs that they're trained to look out for based on weather conditions and things like that as to whether or not it's okay for them to proceed to the summit. And so often, even when those signs are blatant, 
people go anyway because they think of all the months, probably years of training that's gone in, all the money that that's gone into them getting there. You know, they've had time away from their jobs and their families. So they've put so much to get to that point. They go, you know what, I'm just going to give it a crack. So I think whether it's a coach, whether it's a family member, whether it's a close friend, whether it's an employer, like you need to have someone external to you to also probably say, hey, I think this is getting a little bit too much for you because chances are, if you leave it only up to your decision, you'll just keep flogging the dead horse and you'll just probably run yourself off the train tracks. Mm. Yeah, I think it's, it's, that's interesting for, for certain endeavors like bodybuilding because it's such a, such a harsh process that it can might be easy for people on the outside to be like, especially people like parents, like we've all prepped when we were relatively youngish and I don't know, I did my first prep when I was living with my parents and like, because they're parents, they like see you and you're suffering and they're like, oh, this looks way too hard. You're always hungry, you're always tired. And they say, oh, are you sure you should be doing this? And sometimes you just got to keep persevering and that's where having that coach is going to be super useful. But there'll be other situations where, like, for example, if I had a prep client and check-in after check-in, I was getting feedback saying, oh, I'm, I'm just not enjoying this. And that was just continued reinforcement. Like that would be an example of me saying, hey, are you sure this is really the right thing for you to be doing? Uh, because you're obviously not enjoying it. So. Well, that just makes no sense financially, Jack. So that's, <laughs> uh, that's just silly, mate. That's true. You just got to keep encouraging them regardless. Where is the capitalist in you? <laughs> Next thing you know, he's missing a tire on the Tesla and, you know, <laughs> he's resorted to an electric scooter. And now you know why. He's had to get a hybrid. Oh, <laughs> imagine, just imagine. Yeah, I thought that was a, some good answers. So we'll move on to the next one, which is something I think I heard on. Um, this is something I wanted to ask you guys. I may have heard it on your podcast, Lawrence, or on Josh Bridgman's, but it was, what is something that you're bad at in relation to your, your own job, but also in regards to just kind of everyday life, like just something you're not particularly good at? DY, I'll let you start this. Yeah, this is a... What am I, I know bad it, at? I'm just I know it's... so good. Like it's hard. No. <laughs> what am I bad at? Damn, this is a I don't know. Like maybe like English probably is it uh, like I feel like sometimes I know stuff, but it's hard for me to get it across to someone else, like in certain situations, like maybe like when I'm chatting to them or putting in an email, I, I feel like I struggle sometimes to get that across. That's why I do video check-ins because it's a lot easier for me to get my point across than try and type it out and uh put it into a sentence. That's probably one thing that I feel like I could improve that. that Wait, um, what are you trying to say? <laughs> yes. Shut up. <laughs> um, but in general, yeah. My time management's good, I feel. I don't know. I could, I'll have to I'll have to get back to you. Maybe once a couple of you boys answer, I might uh, resonate a little bit better with it. Okay. What about you, Lawrence? What do you suck at? A few things, actually. Um, I'm a Big terrible sucker. swimmer. I am a really poor swimmer. Like I can, you know, I'm not going to die in like the surf, but Gemma and I have gone to, cause Gemma used to be a pretty handy swimmer, like back in her day. And there's been times where like, we'll go down to one of the local pools and she's like, Oh, let's like swim a couple laps. And yeah, I'm a really poor swimmer. Just like no pace about me at all. I'm also have a really bad habit of leaving cupboards open wherever I've been. So if I'm like, making meals or, or getting stuff ready or stuff like that so that's why my bedroom cupboard was open mm, yeah yeah i'm not very good at sneaking around did tiara see that she did she remarked on it yeah oh damn it yeah um but i'm not very aloof but yeah when i leave the kitchen there'll be you know every cupboard will be open so i know that's a bit of a flaw and i do tend to be a little bit forgetful especially when it comes to like social events like i'll forget that stuff is on because normally I'm obviously my schedule is fairly busy with work and training and stuff like that. So it isn't uncommon for me to agree to something, you know, my mum will say, Oh, like you, we're doing this, this night. Can you come? And I'll be like, yeah, yeah, we'll come. And then Gemma will pipe up from next to me and say, no, we won't be there. We already have something on. So I'm not very good at that sort of thing. They tend to slip through the cracks a little bit. Need Google calendar. I do. Yeah. I need a PA. So yeah, if anyone's <laughs> listening, um, all the other boys have declined my offers despite them being quite lucrative, I thought. Any benefits? None. None. Okay. None. No. Free, free massages, right? That's all physios do. Is that right? That's all I know how to do, mate. So, yeah. Awesome. Nice. 
Well, unlike me who's poor at swimming, DC, I assume, is still uh, an absolute jet in the water. I don't know, man. I think these days I'd sink. <laughs> I'd sink, to be honest. Too damn big. <laughs> uh, I haven't swum forever, especially in a lap pool, so I have I've no idea how I'd manage. I used to they be need- a swimmer, but yeah, nowadays I'm not too sure. They needed to custom make the lane ropes too, a little bit wider. Just, just take a middle lane rope. Two lanes. Yeah, yeah, two lanes. Yeah, fair. Um, what am I bad at? And this pertains to like a general life, but also something related to work. Is that the question? Mm. Yeah. Like, all right. Well, I know we're all a bit reluctant to say, like technically Lawrence failed. He didn't say something he was bad at regarding work. So that was, I don't, yeah, I don't think, I don't think opening up a cupboard door is really bad at something, but you know, I think for me, I, I, I'm, I really love being a, uh, a data gatherer. So, you know, I love the spreadsheet side of things, collecting data from, from clients in terms of their week. And I do think that for some for some athletes, it can be a little bit overwhelming in terms of you know how much information I ask from, and I think ask of them. And I think as a coach, it's a middle ground between gathering you know enough information to for a productive check in versus you know gathering more that's probably required that therefore creates more stress in the check in process. Uh, that being said, I've got many athletes that absolutely love the the detail that I go into, but I think. I can be a little bit too data driven sometimes with regards to my, my coaching system. Uh, and I could probably step back a little bit from that just to free up some time from, from some of my athletes. Um, I think I also take on a lot more than what I can handle with respect to it impacting on my, uh, I'd say my, my work-life balance, I find. So, um, you know, if I have an inquiry, I, I, I really look at trying to, to fit that in, in terms of, in terms of coaching. And I think that can take away from, from time from myself and that may impact on training quality or sleep or, you know, just time away from bodybuilding. Cause I think we all need that at some point. Um, so that probably affects me in terms of my enjoyment factor towards training as a whole. And it's just better, getting better at essentially, you know, work-life balance essentially is, is what I'm trying to say. Mm. Yeah. I was going to say something similar myself in terms of the uh, in relation to my job, like not necessarily the data collection, but I'm very, very routinely and organized. Like I've got everything kind of set out as to how I like it. And then particularly in regards to check-ins and sometimes that may be too much of an expectation for certain clients. So I have to like those clients who are on a similar, similar wavelength to me um, works really well for them, but just got to make sure to tailor it to other clients where um, they might not be on that. Everyone functions differently in that respect. And regarding like everyday life, I'm horrible at anything related to DIY, especially uh, not to be confused with DIY, but DIY and uh, upon moving into this house, it's been a, a stark realization. Had to suddenly get um, get some helping hands to assist with a few things. But yeah, I'm still eager to know what what Lawrence is poor at regarding his his profession. All right, I'll give you I'll give you a real one. The injuries that I have the most difficult m- managing from a physio standpoint is like things like hands, feet. Like if someone comes in with those, I'm like, ugh. It was like one, you don't see them as often, um, but they're also just like very fiddly. And also like, don't come to me if you got dizziness, there's better people to see. Um, so that was one area of uni where like musculoskeletal physios do get a bit of training around managing dizziness and, you know, vertigo and that sort of thing. But yeah, I find it very, very tricky. And it's sort of a tricky one because it's like, you it's might multi multifactorial i would have thought well yeah like there's a lot that goes into it it's not necessarily like you firstly is trying to determine like whether or not physio can help that sort of dizziness because it can't help all of them and then like a lot of the techniques like require quite a bit of practice and quite a bit of expertise but if you're in like a standard clinic like us where we're seeing like a lot more sporting population and, and musculoskeletal injuries you might get you know, one a quarter, if that. So it's like something that you're seeing so little, you get very little practice. And that's why a lot of people who have issues like that, if we're not getting anywhere, we'll just refer them on to some vestibular physios that are a bit more experienced with that sort of thing. So it's like, oh, like, do you want to be better at it? Like, yes, you would love to be, but it's like for how many times a year you'd have to use those skills. I don't know. I just think you're maybe better off palming them off to someone who's going to do a lot 
better of a job than you are. So yeah, dizziness, hands and feet. Mm. Not very good at those. You know of any dizziness, hands and feet practices? Oh, like there are places where they like, there's one, a popular one called hands on like they're mm. um, like hand specialist physio and rehab. Like a lot of people, if they have like a hand or a finger surgery, will will get referred to a place like that for their rehab. And like general post-op rehab is like pretty straightforward. Like it's any other, you know, joint, you get it moving again, you get it strong again. Um, but I guess it's more like some of these, you know, more complex, um, you know, foot conditions or hand conditions um but that's you know that's why you have podiatrists and stuff like that that you can refer on to that are a bit more knowledgeable about areas like mm. that i was no i was going to go down a rabbit hole of podiatry versus physio but i, I won't do you that just want to talk you. about feet don't you <laughs> that's it put your socks um, back on your weirdo <laughs> i've had too many dms about about feet uh in my history on instagram that's why you'll very rarely show um see me show some skin on my feet in my photos mm. you got to pay for that how do you think the Tesla got bought? So this one... Um, I want to know who the hell is sending, sending DMs to Jack about his hairy freaking feet. Who said I have hairy feet? You need to take a closer look at them, mate. Look do at either the of you shave Very any... nicely pedicured. I'll shave my feet every now and again. Just Am I alone there? <laughs> well, I shave with my legs. So what, you won't give the feet a little tidy up? Top of the toes? Surely, if you shave the legs, you have to shave. Oh, yeah, yeah. I I, I shave, but thought you were talking about these lads that are just shaving their toe knuckles and then leaving everything else hairy. (laughs) Just the feet, yeah. Do you you guys shave the soles of your feet or just the top? The soles? What? I get mine with the angle grinder. (laughs) Yeah, normal to have hair there. Very normal. Okay, so uh, this one is uh, do you prefer training alone or with someone else? DY, I'll let you start off with this one. Personally, I like training alone. I think a large majority of it, of my training career has pretty much been alone. I know. I just find it, I don't need to wait for anyone. Don't need to swap weights. Sorry, Lawrence, man. You know, I'm sure you've been, you've been itching to train with me, but that's why I've been putting it off. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a very solo person. Like I, I won't really engage and chat to someone unless they've started chatting to me first. And that's just kind of who I am. Like I'm very reserved. I like to go at my own pace. I know what I want to do. And when I train with someone, like in the end, a majority of the time it's my session. Like I don't want to be doing theirs because it does, like their training program isn't the same as mine and their goals are probably different. So mm. unless you're like Lawrence or someone like a client that might have like a similar program or a similar day, like most of the time it's just, I'm just trying to do this puzzle to try and train with them. Mm, you know, all right, what day works for you? Oh, you train and push. All right, what's your first movement? Oh, it's like, you know. The trick is to get Lawrence to do your session so he, he never ends up getting to do his own program. Absolutely, well, me La- yeah. Me, me and Lawrence are quite good because when I chat to him, I'll be like, all right, well, like, what movement do you want in there? And, like, let's say we're doing a push. I might say I want an incline Smith machine bench press. So then I'll put that in. And then Lawrence will go, I remember last time he's like, all right, well, I want a dumbbell in, uh, shoulder press. So then we do the dumbbell shoulder press. That way we kind of mix our training sessions together. We kind of get an exercise that we want each and that we can both progress on. I just found it interesting that DY said that he just doesn't like to engage. And we all know Alana found that out the hard way in Europe, coming back ringless. <laughs> so yeah, it all makes sense, mate. That was no, no surprise no comment (laughs) (laughs) what about you Lawrence yeah look I probably would agree like if I had to I don't know it's tricky because it's like if you could train with someone consistently like I almost think about like you know there was that phase where Cuba and AJ would train together like essentially every day and I think if you could train with someone and you were on the same schedule at the same time at the same gym I think that would be very cool. And if they were on a similar wavelength and you were able to really push each other, because there's certain sessions that I've had with people where if you are sort of on a similar wavelength with your approach to training, you can get a little bit more out of one another. And I think that consistently would compound to something pretty cool over a number of time. But I think if I had to pick between just training on my own or training with five different people across the week, each session, and it's constantly changing, I think I would take the consistency of just being on my own. But I do think that if you are fortunate enough to have a setup where you can train with the same person and you gel really well with that person and you both have similar goals, I think that's a pretty good recipe for success. Hmm. I see you with a new side piece 
every second day at that powerhouse gym. <laughs> Mate, last week was you out of train control. With people, you train with people more than you train solo, and I'll, I'll say it. Yeah, no, last week was crazy. Every second day. Well, I have been doing a bit of the, the world tour because I'm trying to get out these shirts. So I'm nearly mm. finished handing them all out. So I've been doing some sessions with people. But last week for legs, I had um, Quilpie's number one physique athlete, Scotty. That was a great session. Not physique athlete. All right, yeah, bodybuilder. Sorry, Ooh. mate. Well, yeah, with the with the legs that he's building, uh, I don't think it's going to be long till he's up mm. mixing it with us. Um, he, he almost trumped you on the the pendulum, I believe. Dude, yeah, he. Um, my first pendulum set was absolutely dreadful. Okay. Um, Here you are, kind of backtracking a bit. He was having nightmares. No, it was. I'm saying it was bad, and he did really well. Um, so I think, yeah, he definitely bested me on the pendulum. And then um, on Saturday, I trained with um, one of DC's lads, Caden. Yeah, Caden, um, man. Caden's awesome. He can hey, That was a yeah. excellent session. Like, you know, he's someone who, you know, we get on very well and like it was sort of similar approach to training. So that was great. And then, um, well, look, I've, I've done the trifecta of coaching clients because I trained with Rika on Sunday. So there you go, boys. Um, um, all of your clients actually hated their programs and wanted to do what I was doing. <laughs> so I thought I'd hand over that feedback. Hey, Thanks. sometimes you just got to do what you need to do, right? This is true. Enjoy it. This is true. But yeah, it was... Um, so I think, you know, when you're training with people like that, it's good. Um, but I think I also then like, after you finish a weekend like that, it's great. But you also sort of look forward to, to your own time because it is a time where you can just sort of, you know, have a bit of alone time and, and just be able to sit with your thoughts a little bit if you need to. Uh, mm. But that's why I sort of, think that if that was constantly happening and you were training with new people all the time, I think it'd be difficult to get consistency. Um, so I think that's the key. Like if you're going to train with someone and it was a good person very often, then I think it would be good. Yeah. What about you, DC? Yeah. I think, I think you guys have summed it up really nicely. Like there's been times where I've just trained by myself for like for a long time, years. And then there's been times where for a good six months, I'll have a training partner on a certain day. Like for example, uh, Jono at Brendale, uh, we were training together every Wednesday, Wednesday morning uh, for a good chunk of time. And that was, that was a hell of a lot of fun. We basically just kind of modified our programs so that we ran a similar day and, um, and just sort of moved out other, other movements around to sort of cater for that. And that was, that was great. Like you push yourself to places that perhaps you can't push yourself on your own, right? In terms of having a spotter there as well to perhaps doing some you know, additional repetitions above and beyond what you can handle yourself, negatives, whatever it may be that you want to, you know, layer on to, to add some additional intensity to, to that session. For me personally, similar to Lawrence, like I'd say if I only had the ability to choose one, you know, training by myself or always training with someone, I'd probably go to train with by just by myself. Just because it's, it's you know, it's some alone time that you get for yourself where you can sort of switch off and 100% prioritize yourself, like in your own head, uh yeah i i think it's it's i think a lot of people use training not just for simply the physical outlet but you know as a bit of a mental release as well right for for many reasons so i uh i've always enjoyed training for myself for sure mm. yeah i'm i'm similar to you guys and i i definitely train more so alone i i in fact rarely train with other people unless you, you count tiara but i don't really train with her we just happen to be there at the same time and yeah, I think for me, like I, I take a, quite a while warming up and my sessions go for quite a long time. And it's almost like I, and like I've trained with you a couple of times, Lawrence, like I don't want to inconvenience people by like them having to be there for a while and, and doing like, they might not do abs at the end of each session. They might not do something like a tibialis raise, which I do. So um, if I'm going to train with someone, then usually it will be with someone that I know won't feel like inconvenienced by me. Like I trained with Scott um, on, on Saturday and we always have good sessions because um, we, um, we know how each other train. Mm, I think if you train like by yourself, most of the time, it makes those occasions where you do train with someone just that much more enjoyable, right? Because mm. it's somewhat of a novelty. So like, for example, B and I don't train together often, but when we do get to train together, like we always have an absolute killer session and we take each other to a place that we just haven't been for a while with respect to training on our own, right? So whether that would be the same if we train together all the time, I mean, I'm pretty sure we train pretty damn hard irrespectively, but just having it as a little bit less frequent certainly makes that something to look forward to a little bit more. Mm, for sure. So this next one is about stress and weight loss and basically like asking the question, 
how much of an impact does stress have on weight loss essentially so dc i'll actually let you kick this one off mm, yeah sure and we were talking about this actually just just off air briefly but i mean i think that stress itself doesn't hinder the actual mechanism of fat loss uh you know it's it doesn't suddenly negate the laws of thermodynamics with respect to you know energy in, intake and, and energy output uh, but what I think it can mostly influence is perhaps someone's behavioral approach to, you know, nutrition or training. Uh, I think when someone's highly stressed, they're, they're probably going to have more cracks in the armor, so to speak, with respect to, you know, dietary adherence potentially. Um, I mean, there's, I believe that there's some mechanism with regards to elevated cortisol levels affecting like vasopressin or antidiuretic hormones. So that might have you know, some influence in terms of like water retention. Uh, but that's, I mean, that's, and then I guess that's weight loss, but like, mm. if we talk about does, does stress hinder fat loss uh, from a mechanism perspective, I don't think so, but I think it can affect some additional variables associated in the mix, such as, you know, dietary adherence and mm. um, perhaps someone not factoring for a few of those BLTs, which I like to call like bites, licks, and tastes, like basically things that someone might consume uh, that, that they don't necessarily accurately track. I was thinking the KFC chicken BLT burger. That's what, that's the first thing that came to mind when you mentioned that. And I was like, Oof, when I am stressed, there's definitely a couple of them missing. Which you also don't track. Exactly. So <laughs> I, I'm the exact example of the stress and not losing weight in a dieted state. <laughs> no, very nicely said, um, DC, but like, like exactly what you said, like there is more, like a lot of the time there's more chinks in the armor. Like maybe the stress levels might then affect the sleep quality. And then that sleep quality then might affect the training quality. So then maybe you're not burning as many calories throughout the sessions. Like it kind of all compounds together as well. And then maybe you might have a little bit of a dietary slip up as well. And then when you can combine like, you know, maybe less calories trained throughout the week, higher levels of stress, maybe a little weight spike you might be able to see something on the scale, but in the long-term picture of things from what I've seen from my clients and so on like that, it doesn't really change the end result. And a good analogy that I guess DC brought up before we started the podcast was when you're in prep, like you're pretty much in a very, very stressful state, especially for like those last 10 to 15 weeks. And yet you're still able to get in extremely peeled condition and look absolutely phenomenal. And the weight loss doesn't stop. For sure. Yeah, and I think the, dis the discrepancy between fat loss and weight loss is important because just because the scale stalls and it's not going down doesn't mean you're still losing fat. And that's often why, especially in prep, we'll get those big whooshes because like whether it's on a, a refeed day for whatever reason, like it's not that you're losing a heap of weight as a result of consuming more calories. It's just that mechanism around potentially water retention and the, uh, high, the, the higher carbohydrate approach on a refeed day might trigger some sort of mechanism i honestly don't know what it is i don't think there is a a particular mechanism given to it yet but it's really interesting how that uh, phenomenon works mm, i think sometimes like the introduction of a refeed day and a higher food amount can sometimes trigger like more of a, a bathroom a bathroom trip so mm. like the release of gastrin tells your brain to go to the bathroom you go to the bathroom uh, as a result of like eating more food the day before particularly if it hasn't really been a like a large volumization of one's meal to the point where it actually results in like greater residual food volume and therefore like the scale weight increasing as a result of that. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. That is a good point. Uh, so yeah, we'll finish on this final one in relation to competitors competing from other States coming to Queensland uh, to attend the shows or to compete at the shows. What are your thoughts on that Lawrence? you okay with other competitors coming to Queensland? Yeah, yeah. I don't see why it's much of an issue. I think that there's competitors who want to travel into state because they know that the Queensland shows, especially the ones that are, you know, held in Brisbane are at a very high standard. And, you know, people see that and they go, wow, I want to be a part of that. So, um, you know, one that comes to mind is Ellie Melville from a couple of years back or, or last year who competed and, and ended up winning her fitness pro card. Like, um, she's from the ACT, I believe, and she came up to Brisbane um, and competed in the, the shows up here. So I think that, you know, it's definitely a compliment to ICN Queensland and Jason and the, the job that everyone does there. So I think, you know, maybe some people might have the argument of, oh, well, this is for Queensland athletes and, you know, potentially there's 
people taking placings or, or overalls away from Queensland athletes. But I think if you're that motivated by winning, then you're going to need to beat those people at nationals anyway. So whether or not they beat you at States or beat you there, probably not a big deal. Like it's, it's just, if you're good enough, you're going to beat them anyway. So um, I think we just have to be realistic in that bodybuilding is a small sport. People don't always have the opportunity to, to compete in big shows. Um, and if they want to travel to, to compete um, somewhere else, like imagine someone in the Northern territory, you know, I don't even know if they have bodybuilding shows there. So what are they going to do? They, they've got to go somewhere to compete. Mm. Mm. I think also like uh, location is a big part as well, right? So like, I think you have to remember that obviously Gold Coast is like towards the very south, Southern aspect of Queensland. And then you've got the border. And if someone's living in, let's say like Ballina or something like that, right? Which is considered New South Wales. It's very uh, close by to therefore compete in, in somewhere like Brisbane, right? For the, for, the, for the state championship. So, you know, imagine if we put forth recommendations that, no one, no one interstate can compete at our Queensland show. It's like those people then have to go all the way down to Sydney to compete in their in their state show. Whereas it could just be a very brief drive up, you know, an hour or two to mm. get to the Queensland show. So, plus, what we'll... is it's it's closer for us to get to Sydney than it is for Townsville, isn't it? Or well, pretty similar distance by plane. So, like distance wise, like it's there's no sort of yeah. I know that's a bit irrelevant, but just want to just throw that out there. Yeah, I mean that's a fair, 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 fair um, statement there. I just I don't think it really matters, right? Like like mm. you said, Lawrence. Like if you're that concerned about, you know, not getting your trophy because someone else has competed, you know, the thing is that you're going to have to compete against them at, at nationals, respectively. So, I don't think it should be an issue. You should be excited that more people are going to be at the show. Like better mm. competitors, therefore it's going to push you harder to com- to compete and be better. Yeah, I am interested to see how. WMBF will go with them just doing the national, like one national show in Brisbane and how many competitors will come to that? Cause like, mm-hmm. it'll be their first time and like doing, starting off with a national show is um, like, there needs to be some really good incentive to, to attend that, which they will be there handing out quite a few pro cards for starters. Yeah. Well, mm. I think that's probably how you draw the most attention, right? Is make it, making it an Australian title, as opposed to like a state show, particularly if it's only really one show in the year, like you'd probably want to try and get as many competitors to that, you know, interstate as, as possible. But mm. um, yeah, I think a big part of it is almost like athlete driven as well. It's like creating that excitement across competitors that, Hey, it's going to be a big show. There's pro cards there, like, et cetera. So uh, you sort of want everyone from all around Australia to be advocating for it and, and, and interested in competing and excited mm. about it. Yeah, we often try to, like Tierra has uh, quite a few clients in ACT and she has a client in Northern Territory as well. And we advocate for all of them to come to the Queensland shows because um, they're one of the best run in Australia. They have the best competition or some of the best competition. They're great, a lot of fun. The venue is excellent. So yeah, we, we really try and get as many people here as possible. And it's nice to have um, more of a community vibe going on as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah i always try and get my clients especially like out of state to come to the brisbane ones it's a really good experience i've never had someone that comes to a brisbane show that hasn't thoroughly enjoyed it and plus you get to meet them as well like some clients you know it's always a pleasure when you get to meet like an online client like out of state like you get to train with them they get to come do a show maybe go if it's their last show of the season which a majority of the people out of state normally is like you can grab a feed with them after it's it's a really good experience Cool. Well, I might finish off with um, something that we do on TBD, which is uh, one thing that uh, you learned this week, or it can be from the last couple of weeks. So, because you pulled that face, Lawrence, you can go first. <laughs> uh, you might have to come back to me. I'll try. I'll okay. think of something. So he drops these things on us and we're just not thinking about it. Like you didn't drop it in the question box. It's not a question. All right. There was none of this pressure last week. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Why don't you start off, Jack? Come on, hit us with it. Okay. Um, so, we, yeah, we caught two, two flathead on, on Saturday. And apparently when you eat the skin of a flathead, it can make you feel a little bit nauseous. I'm not sure why because we descaled it. But I even tried it as well. Tierra's had it a couple of times, but we only seem to be able to have the white flesh but not the skin. So I know it's normal to eat skin on other fish. Like scabs, like I enjoy the salmon skin and stuff like that, but 
for whatever reason, like the flathead isn't particularly great. That's Are flatheads that poisonous? They have poisonous uh, spines, but they're not poisonous to humans. Like, yeah, they're, they're actually very good eating fish. Yeah, because I've had them before, but I always thought that, yeah, they did have like somewhat, I'm just thinking Jack's sitting there eating like the poison sack or something. <laughs> yeah. Mm. I'm happy just to be me, but I mean, that would be a shame if you guys hadn't learned anything, would it? Oh, wait. All right. I've got a few friends that have just gotten a new dog. It's a little baby corgi. It's absolutely adorable. And I learned that it is important to do a few things to the dog as a puppy to like make it a bit more friendly. So they mentioned like lying it down on its back and like playing with its tummy and like getting it comfortable to be on its back. And then they said like moving its food around as it eats. So it becomes less protective of the food. So, you know, that might explain why your dogs are savages, Jack. You've obviously never done this sort of thing. Boston mauled you on the call that we had the other day. You couldn't believe my oh, eyes. Yeah. Mauled me with licks, yeah. Yeah. So that's what I learned. Mm. What about you, DC? Sorry to spring this on you, DC. Oh, I know it's a hardship. God, what have I learned? I think I saw a video recently on like Facebook where in your dishwasher... It must be true then. The top... Yeah, 100%. Like, it's, yeah. <laughs> just a true source but um in your dishwasher the top tray you can actually elevate it so you can actually change how high how high it is based on like a little clip button on the side and i'm pretty sure this is relevant for most dishwashers but depending on like the height of your cups you can change how much of a border it has on the side i thought it was interesting because i've fucking washed my dishes for how many years now i've never known how to, to adjust this bit in the in the dishwasher well, I don't really have one too much, but I'd probably say that Lawrence's fear of feet is definitely up there and something that I'm going to take note of every time now. So whenever I'm in the gym, I'll be walking around barefoot just to give him the scare. Yeah. And, and Jack cracked and didn't have a full week of uh, 100% meals. He only ate protein, mm. which I don't think is a uh, whatever it takes mentality. So if he doesn't get the pro card and he stalls Sorry, it back Rich to 20, 2030, well, we know why. Hmm. I got a question. I got a question for you boys, actually. Which is, uh, does the the dial on the toaster indicate the level of brownness of the toast or the time? Time. Yeah, I will say I only learned that recently. Like it's the time and not the level of toast. Yeah, I, I frequently burn my toast, so I'm I'm not the best person to ask. Learned it about six months ago, so I guess I'm just ahead of the curve. Mm. We may have watched the same reel. <laughs> TikTok well, uh, for something. Yeah. Okay, well that'll do us. I'll make sure to never ask that question again because you guys suck at it. And yeah, thank you everyone for listening. If you enjoyed this one, make sure to leave us a five-star review and we'll catch you guys next week. <laughs>